Hello everybody, FPL Teacher here, bringing you an early review of the Friday night match between Brentford and Brighton. This match ended 2-0, Ivan Tony scored a brace and here we look at the supporting cast that caused this to happen for Brentford, what Brighton did to overcome the challenge of going 1-0 behind, including all the solutions involving a certain Japanese playmaker. Brentford. This time round, they implemented a 4-3-3 with Wisa as the third forward besides Tony and Mbomo. Now, we know from the past that when Wisa starts, Tony gets goals. But the crucial thing here is that the Wisa-Tony link-up play wasn't as obvious because Brentford had a specialised pressing trap set up for Brighton's midfielders. The question is whether two of Brentford's forwards could combine with two of Brentford's midfielders to press down Brighton's centre-backs as well as McAllister and Caicedo. The answer is not exactly, but, 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 they did force Brighton's midfielders into making extremely rushed passes out into the wing. And on the flanks were the key areas that Brentford won the ball back and overloaded extremely quickly to create chances. Now, the players that win the ball back for Brentford aren't too important here. The question comes down to who bursts forward when Brentford win the ball. The vacant space left behind when Brighton lose the ball is the space between their centre-backs and their full-backs. The half-space here was conveniently filled in by Brentford's right-side midfielder, Frank Onyeka. So the general sequence of play Brentford had in the opening half an hour was that they would press Brighton's midfielders or defenders off the ball and immediately they charge into that right half space. Sometimes Wisa would do it, sometimes Frank Onyeka was the one that did it, but a cross always came down the right-hand side before finding these players inside the box. Of course, it was no surprise that Tony's opening goal originated from this particular approach as Onyeka's run into the half space conveniently found Tony for his epic side heel flick. More crucially though, this is the first time in an extremely long while we've seen Brentford come up with a cohesive strategy while dealing with key injuries to Pontus Jensen and Christian Norgaard. I think it goes without saying that this 4-5-1 strategy with three solid midfielders really suits Brentford moving forward as a sustainable approach. So all we have to do now is monitor whether they sustain this strategy against Chelsea next up in game week 12 so that we can properly invest in them where they have decent fixtures in game weeks 13 and 14. Brentford now having to deal with the fact that opponents simply pack their box with midfielders or defensive midfielders to prevent their epic one-touch passing really had to go out of the box to find different types of solutions forming different partnerships all across the pitch. Plan A was relatively difficult to spot and it highlighted the woes of their player quality on the flanks where Trossard had quite a lot of the ball because he linked up with Casado this decently well. The issue here is that when Trossard has the ball in front of Brentford's back four, between the lines, you would see Estopinian bombing on the outside of him, and it is there usually where moves broke down in the first 15 minutes. So they lived and died by their, that approach. They had shots in the 15th as well as the 16th minute that 
revolved around that sort of play while attempting to also use Danny Welbeck's runs, sometimes as a decoy, sometimes as an outlet to take shots. They persisted with this approach in the first half where Trossard, Casado and Estupinian were the creative hub in terms of chances, in terms of triangles, in terms of first touch passes, while once in a while Pascal Grob would also drift to the left-hand side to link up with them. Ultimately, this approach didn't prove fruitful in the first half, so they swapped their 4-2-3-1 for a 3-4-3 in the second half, bringing on Kaoru Mitoma. Now, Mitoma's introduction here brings an X-factor to Deserby's plans, not because of his dribbling, not because of his individual qualities, but because of the locations of the one-touch passes that shifted all across the pitch depending on where Mitoma was. Setting themselves up as a 3-4-3, Mitoma and Solimach constantly interchanged positions. They constantly swapped flanks as wingbacks while attempting to keep Trossard narrow. So Mitoma's introduction had two effects. Number one, Mitoma spent the opening 15 minutes of the second half prior to substitutions playing on the right wing. He found himself relatively difficult to isolate himself against Rico Henry 1v1, so he instead turned playmaker using his left foot to put in in-swingers for the opposite wingback. Kaoru technically made Brighton more direct here, and it was Undaf and Lalana's introduction that made Brighton go back to their default plan A. The difference here is that with Mitoma wide on the left and much narrow on the right side as a left footer, the triangles resurfaced, but this time instead of using Trossard or Grob as the pivots in the triangle, Danny Welbeck was the one that dropped deeper to be the pivot of these one-touch passes. Obviously, this played into Brighton's hands given the difficulty and the amount of players Brentford packed into their box because, credit to Brentford, they also overloaded the central area of defence as well as midfield. But that was the plan B of the Zerbies. In the end, their fates depend on their squad depth and they, you would expect to use them in FPL similar to teams like Aston Villa, Wolves, Everton, where their plan A has to be efficient because relying on their plan B at the moment certainly does not yield results. Now, let's talk bottom line. Mid-table teams in FPL here usually has a whole host of strategies, plan A, plan B, depending on first half, second half. And the idea here is that we put ourselves in a lucky position to profit from whatever strategy they use. For Brentford, this is particularly obvious with Ivan Tony being ever-present no matter what Thomas Frank uses. So the question comes down to whether Tony is attractive enough to be your third striker or not. As for Brighton, I think it's safe to say that various players had glorious chances from Solimash to Louis Dang all the way to Danny Welbeck and Leandro Trossard. Really, all these XG shots had values of like 0.2. So, without an elite finisher, really, it's difficult to justify a constant investment in Brighton despite having good fixtures. This is FPL Teacher speaking. Looking forward to Saturday's games.